Good morning, and welcome to Simply Politics. It's Sunday, February 4th. On today's show, Namibia's President Haga Geingob passes away at the age of 82, while the White House criticizes the House GOP's $17.6 billion Israel aid bill as a cynical political maneuver. Plus, Joe Biden aims for a big win in South Carolina's Democratic primary after advocating for the state to go first. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Politics. We start off with a significant development from Namibia. The country's president, Hagi Geingob, has passed away at the age of 82, less than three weeks after announcing he would undergo treatment for cancer. His death was confirmed by the acting president, Nangolo Mbumba. Here with more on this is our correspondent. Can you tell us more about President Geingob's legacy? Certainly, David. President Geingob was a significant figure in Namibian politics. He was a liberation struggle icon, the chief architect of the Namibian constitution, and a distinguished servant of the people. His political career included a 12-year stint as prime minister before he was elected as Namibia's third president in 2014. What do we know about his health issues leading up to his death? President Geingob had a history of health problems. In 2013, he underwent brain surgery, and the following year, he revealed that he had survived prostate cancer. Last year, he announced he had undergone aortic surgery in South Africa. His office announced last month that he had begun treatment following the discovery of cancerous cells during a routine colonoscopy and gastroscopy. What can you tell us about the political landscape in Namibia following President Geingob's death? Namibia, a former German colony that gained independence from South Africa in 1990, is scheduled to hold presidential and parliamentary elections in November. President Gingob was ineligible to run for re-election as Namibia's constitution limits the president to a maximum of two terms in office. The ruling Swapo Party's presidential candidate, Nandine Daitwa, would be the country's first female head of state if elected. That was Simply Politics reporter Abby wrapping up a significant development. Now, let's turn our attention to the White House, which has criticized House Republicans for unveiling a $17.6 billion bill that would provide additional aid to Israel amid its ongoing conflict in the Middle East, referring to it as a cynical political maneuver. The administration has taken issue with the bill, which is set to be voted on next week, for focusing aid on a single U.S. ally. This comes as the Senate is in the midst of negotiations on a bipartisan border and aid package. To discuss this further, we have our correspondent, Bella. Can you tell us more about the administration's stance on this bill? Certainly, David. The White House has been working with a bipartisan group of senators for months on a national security agreement that includes support for both Ukraine and Israel. They view the House Republicans' move as a political game, with White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre stating that the security of Israel should be sacred, not a political game. What does this new legislation entail, and how does it compare to previous aid packages? The new $17.6 billion bill is a clean, standalone Israel aid bill, as described by Speaker Mike Johnson. This comes after a $14.3 billion Israel aid package was passed by the lower chamber last November, which also included cuts to IRS funding. 
However, that bill has not been taken up in the Senate. What is the White House's proposed course of action in response to this bill? The White House is urging the House GOP to work with the administration and the Senate on the national security bill, which includes funding for Ukraine, a priority for President Biden. They argue that the GOP's bill does nothing to secure the border or assist Ukraine against Putin's aggression, and it denies humanitarian assistance to Palestinian civilians. And what has been the response from House Republicans, particularly Speaker Mike Johnson? Speaker Mike Johnson has indicated that if the reports about potential terms of the Senate's deal are accurate, it would be dead on arrival in the House. It seems that there is a significant divide between the House Republicans and the White House on this issue. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on how that story unfolds. Thanks for the insights, Bella. In other political news, President Joe Biden is hoping for a straightforward victory in South Carolina's Democratic primary, which officially commences his party's nominating process. This is a significant shift in the Democratic National Committee's calendar, a change that Biden himself advocated for, aiming to give more power to black voters who played a crucial role in reviving his 2020 campaign. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Michael. Can you tell us more about this change and its implications? Certainly, David. The Democratic National Committee has officially replaced Iowa with South Carolina in its presidential primary's leadoff spot. This change was championed by Biden, who argued that voters of color should play a larger role in determining the Democratic presidential nominee. South Carolina, while a reliably Republican state, has a black population constituting 26% of its residents. In the 2020 general election, black voters made up 11% of the national electorate, and 90% of them supported Biden. Biden is up against Minnesota Rep. Dean Phillips and self-help author Marianne Williamson in this primary. How is he faring in the polls? Biden is overwhelmingly favored against his opponents. He has expressed optimism about his campaign, stating that voters around the country are beginning to focus on the election and that the polling data is improving across the board. He has also been actively promoting the importance of South Carolina's primary, particularly to the African-American population. What has been the reaction in South Carolina to this change in the primary calendar? The reaction has been largely positive, especially among black Democrats in South Carolina who remain loyal to Biden. Jamie Harrison, the Democratic National Committee chairman and a South Carolina native, has praised Biden for this change, stating that it gives the black community a chance to have a say in the nomination process. The state's senior member of the U.S. House, Democrat Jim Clyburn, who is one of Congress's most powerful black leaders, remains a close Biden friend and ally. What are the implications of this change for the Democratic primary calendar? Biden's push for South Carolina to go first is followed three days later by Nevada, the new calendar also moves the Democratic primary of Michigan, a large and diverse swing state, to Feb 27th, before the expansive field of states voting on March 5th, known as Super Tuesday. This change could potentially influence the dynamics of the nomination process, giving more weight to states with diverse populations early in the primary season. What are the potential challenges that Biden might face in this primary? While Biden is favored to win, there are concerns about his age, as reflected in public polling, 
Both Biden and his likely Republican opponent, former President Donald Trump, have had a series of public flubs that have fueled skepticism about their readiness. However, many voters, despite these concerns, still prefer Biden over Trump. Thanks for the insights, Michael, on the upcoming South Carolina Democratic primary. Now, as we continue to approach the upcoming election, national polls show President Joe Biden trailing Donald Trump more often than leading him, a rare position for an incumbent. However, these national polls mean little as elections are won state by state through the Electoral College. The question is, how does Joe Biden win re-election? Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Celeste. Can you shed some light on this? Certainly, David. Back in 2020, the closest battleground states were either around the Great Lakes, such as Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, or along the Sun Belt, including Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, and North Carolina. If Biden wins all the states in either region and carries the remaining states he took in 2020, he would be reelected. However, at this point, it seems his easiest path to a second term runs through the Great Lakes rather than the Sun Belt. Interesting. Can you provide some insight into why the Great Lakes region might be a more viable path for Biden? Recent polls show a pattern. For instance, Biden and Trump were tied in Wisconsin, a state Biden won by less than a point in 2020. In Georgia, Trump held an eight-point edge. Trump hasn't led in any Wisconsin poll this cycle that meets CNN standards for publication, and he hasn't trailed in any Georgia poll in well over a year. This pattern extends to other states as well. Trump has generally had a clear advantage in Arizona, while Biden and Trump have traded leads in Pennsylvania. What about the Sun Belt states? How is Biden faring there? The polling in Nevada has generally been strong for Trump. The limited North Carolina polling hasn't been great for Biden either. Biden's weakest state in the Great Lakes battleground surveys has been Michigan, though he has polled better there than any Sun Belt swing state. This includes the New York Times-Siena College survey last fall that found him down five points to Trump among registered voters, though tied among likely voters. How do these state polls align with national trends? Biden is seeing historically weak support for a Democrat among Hispanic and Black voters nationally. Hispanic voters make up a disproportionate share of the electorate in Arizona and Nevada compared with on the national level. Black voters make up a disproportionate share of the electorate in Georgia and North Carolina compared with nationwide. The racial group Biden has tended to hold his own with his white voters, who made up at least 80 percent of 2020 voters in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So what does this mean for Biden's campaign strategy moving forward? Biden needs to give himself multiple options. Winning Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, plus every state he won by at least five points in 2020, would give him exactly 270 electoral votes, leaving no room for error. However, if Biden starts to improve with Hispanic and or Black voters, his polling in the Sun Belt could improve. At this point, Biden's easiest path to 270 electoral votes seems to be through the North, not the South. That's certainly something to watch. Thanks, Celeste. And on that note, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Politics. We'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>